0: Houston, we have a podcast. Welcome to the official podcast of the NASA Johnson Space Center, episode 192, Drive Like a Martian. I'm Gary Jordan, and I'll be your host today. On this podcast, we bring in the experts, scientists, engineers, and astronauts, all to let you know what's going on in the world of human spaceflight. You don't hear very often that it's time to, quote, reinvent the wheel. But when that wheel is spinning on another planet, it might be a good idea. Tires for Mars are going to have to deal with rocks, sand, slopes, craters, and cold. So the idea of a wheel becomes a bit more complex as you start to realize what has to go into the design to deal with all of that. So today, we dive into the history of space tires and discuss work being done for an innovative new tire for Mars called the Spring Tire. Joining us from Glenn Research Center is the Mars Spring Tire Project Manager, Dr. Jahaira Sierra Sastre, and the lead tire engineer, Vivek Asnani. So let's jump right in to learn what it takes to drive like a Martian. Enjoy.
1: <laughs> we'll
0: the <laughs> Jaira and Vivek, thanks for coming on Houston. We have a podcast today.
2: Hey, excited to be
1: here.
0: Hello, Gary. Thank you for having us. Hey, uh, great to have both of you guys. Um, so, uh, this is a very interesting topic Martian tires, and we're going to get into. A lot of the, we're going to start with the history, uh, talking to you guys ahead of time, and we're going to actually reveal what is a tire, what is that, especially in the space environment, and then get to some of the super cool technology that you guys are working on. Jairo, I want to start with you. Um, what is your background? How did you get involved in tires, particularly with your uh, materials science uh, background? Yeah, that's
2: a, that's a very interesting question. And I don't have a really traditional path hmm. uh, to NASA. Uh, But I can tell you that I am a materials chemist by training. I have a Ph.D. in materials chemistry. And back in grad school, I focused on the synthesis and structural evaluation of nanoscale materials from molecular thin films to metallic and semiconductor nanostructures. And prior to joining NASA Glenn, I worked for two startup companies uh, specializing in nanomaterials for different types of industries and applications from textiles to biomedical applications and most recently I also served as a civil servant, work as a project manager for the U.S. Bureau of Engraving and Printing, that's our U.S. money factory. And there I led material science projects to keep our U.S. banknotes secure. Nothing related to space, but space has always been my passion. Hmm. So while looking for opportunities to transition my career uh, to, to the space sector, Back in 2013, I, I was part of a Mars analog mission funded by NASA, the Hawaii Space Exploration Analog and Simulation, and was there sort of as a crew member for four months in, in a habitat in monologue came in Hawaii. But uh, besides uh, that analog and that simulation, I also established collaborations with Johnson Space Center. Uh, for an exercise work study. So we were looking at smart garments and intravehicular clothing for astronauts, um, for, for ISS. So these experience plus, you know, other types of opportunities that I pursue over the years, like taking planetary geology courses and trying to get, gain more field work experience related to Mars exploration, I believe set my path to now serve at NASA Glenn, So when the opportunity came my way to manage this project, I, I just said, yes. And in the context of these uh, Mars spring tires project, I am the project manager for 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 the project for, and as, as you will learn through these conversations, uh, we are part of that, of the Mars sample return mission, part of the sample retrieval lander project we are delivering, we'll be building and delivering the new tires and wheel and tire assemblies that will be integrated with a sample fetch rover. So my goal as a project manager and my, my role and responsibility is to make sure our team executes and, and successfully deliver these uh, tire, tire, wheel and tire assemblies to to ESA.
0: I can't wait to get into this topic. I'm, I'm curious though. It seems like, like you said, you have a kind of a roundabout path to get into NASA. I wonder what maybe an, earlier in your life there was something that maybe, uh, that maybe triggered some spark that was that you were thinking, "Hey, NASA is somewhere that I want to go. I want to work in the space sector." Do you have a moment like that in your in your earlier life?
2: Oh yes, definitely. I (laughs) think since since my early years, right, since I was very young, and my first passion and my first love was astronomy and planets and stars. Um, I I am originally from Puerto Rico, so growing up in that beautiful island and just staring at the night sky really really Mm -hmm. influenced me, instilling me that passion for science.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. I'm glad to have you on today, uh, Jahara, and. Uh, Vivek, uh, you are bringing to the table a a mechanical engineering background. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, actually, you know, going into school, I wanted to work on acoustics. So
0: Hmm.
1: I started in electrical engineering and then in graduate school did mechanical engineering. Um, My path really wasn't directed toward NASA. They, They recruited me. And when I got to NASA, we were just going back to the moon. Right. So we hadn't. Really thought a lot about moon rovers in a while. There wasn't much going on in that in that area. And I, I found myself in this meeting where we were trying to figure out how to land a nuclear reactor on the moon and get it away from the lander. So we are starting to think about mobility on the moon and kind of looking at each other, not really knowing how to handle this problem. <laughs> and that just sent me down a rabbit hole. And since then, I've been really interested in uh, mobility on other planets
0: that is awesome and this is like the ultimate mobility right now we're going to be talking about driving like a Martian there's uh, there's um, you know a, a history here when it comes to uh, this type of mobility Vivek, that you're talking about on other planets um, uh, let's before we go into the history though set a foundation for what we know about tires on other planets and how they work uh, give us a little bit of uh, you know the, the what is uh, when it comes to tires.
1: Yeah, if I could start with earth tires, we didn't always have them. We used to roll on rigid wheels, like wagon wheel type of things. And, you know, the, the pneumatic tire was a breakthrough. It was invented like 130 years ago, and its purpose was to create flexibility. And it helps in a couple ways. Uh, first, if you're not on a road and you need to gain traction, the larger contact area really helps you but something that's not really appreciated is it also saves you a lot of energy. So a vehicle on wagon wheels it's going to it's going to go up and down quite a bit as it goes over rocks, but the tire it actually conforms to the surface and saves the vehicle all that energy that it takes to go up and down. So that's that's on earth, you know, we we always use tires now. Mm-hmm. Looking to other other planets though, you look to look to Mars or the moon where it can get very cold, we can't use the rubber. And we also don't want to use the air because that's a single point of failure. And as NASA missions go, we don't like to have single points of failure.
0: That's right. You know, you you get that punctured tire, right? That that uh, when you're driving down the highway on Earth, you just pull over to the side of the road and you you call AAA or some insurance company. They bring up, pump up your tire, change it out for you, whatever. Maybe even tow it. Uh, you know, you don't you don't have that service on a on another planet as much. So uh, you know, let's let's think about some of the some of the tires we know from the past, right? So so this problem, right? You don't want a single point of, fa- point of failure. What are some of the tires that uh, that are some examples of tires in the past? Uh, that sort of of shaped this narrative of, of what a space tire would look like?
1: Yeah, so this problem obviously was new to the people that were working on the Apollo program and the precursors as well as, you know, in the Soviet Union they were seeking to land a rover on the moon. And, you know, the real issue was you couldn't take the regular Earth tire there and get the same kind of performance and you have the risk of the puncture. The Soviet Union sent a rover called Lunokhod or Moonwalker, and they just made the decision, we're going to use rigid wheels, we're not going to handle the problem with flexibility. Hmm. Um, but, you know, with that comes performance limitations, and it was unmanned, so not as much risk. But the Americans, we we decided we were going to go for a flexible tire. Uh, Jihiden might be able to explain better, but Goodyear actually produced a pneumatic tire to start uh, before we even got into the woven uh, wire tires we'll talk about today. Uh, Jahida, do you want to tell us more about that?
2: Yeah, so I wanted, I wanted to add to the history of tires before, before I get to, uh, to that topic that, as a material scientist, one of the things that I consider very interesting in the evolution of the tire is that that evolution has been driven by the need for better materials. So Vivek, Vivek was talking about, you know, these uh, uh, rigid wheels that were used, right? And initially, tires were made of leather bands and then replaced with steel. And eventually, as, as Vivek mentioned, um, rubber, right? The, the, ro- the rubber material was was tuned in such a way to make it a more pliable material and the material of choice for tires. Uh, so all, all those uh, materials advancements have 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 had a really really um, impact and have driven these type of evolutions of the of, of tires. And besides the Russian lunar tire, um, back in the Apollo era, uh, there were different types of tire tire wheel and tire assemblies and, and, and tires that were developed for different types of purposes. So we had the LRV, the lunar Ro- roving vehicle, that which we can uh, explain in more de- detail, mm-hmm. and also um, an- another type of uh, vehicle called the modularized equipment transporter, MET, which its function was used was basically carrying equipment and samples collected by the astronauts on Apollo 14. So depending on the functionality, the purpose, the mission. That these vehicles were going to serve and meet, um, there were different types of requirements for the type of tires that, that were needed.
1: Hmm. Yeah, the, the MET was really interesting. It was basically a wheelbarrow that the astronauts used to tow around equipment. Hmm. If you look back at all the Apollo missions, each mission they tried to get, you know, produce more equipment to carry more rocks. And so the MET carried a bunch of tools for geology and carried rocks. There was an emergency memo that went to Goodyear. They said, we need a tire. We need a tire for this you know, instrument-carrying uh, machine. And so they did what they knew. They produced a pneumatic tire. Super interesting, though, because it's going to the moon, there's no atmosphere. They put this tire in a vacuum chamber on Earth, and in the vacuum chamber, they introduced just a few air molecules, which allowed it to open up to the right size that it would be on the moon. Then took it out of the vacuum chamber, and it got crushed under Earth gravity. And they put it into the spacecraft. And when they landed on the moon and they experienced that vacuum at- atmosphere again, it expanded to the correct size. So it was a really interesting trick they played to get a tire on this wheelbarrow on the moon.
0: <laughs> so, you, yeah. so you went through a couple, uh, Vivek. You went through this. Uh, you went through the Russian. Uh, is it Lu- Lunacod? Am I saying that right? lunacot lunacot okay so you said that was a rigid tire and then you're the one you're just talking about the goodyear tire this is a pneumatic tire so so can you describe those a little bit just for you know for well, this is unfortunately this is not like a visual medium right so i'm like trying to imagine it when i hear rigid i just think of like this like you know basically a wheel of steel maybe and then goodyear i think about um i don't know like one of those uh you know the old cars like 1950s cars that like they're just kind of like a flat tube around around the car am i am i imagining this right
1: you are yeah. Okay. So good. The, the Russian <laughs> lunokhod vehicle had it had eight rigid wheels. Each of them looked like a bicycle wheel with uh-huh. spokes, and on the perimeter was this rigid mesh structure. So just a screen type of um, construct. Uh, really basic. It it was really intended just to be light in weight and roll.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And the Goodyear tire. You're right. It's just like an old timey smooth. Mm-hmm tire. It wasn't there for traction. It was there to be pulled. And so it just could be smooth without any tread. And the main thing is they wanted it to be light and weight. So, you know, with everything we launch, we just go for low mass. It wasn't until the next vehicle, the Apollo lunar roving vehicle that carried astronauts, that traction became a really big deal. Um, Traction and they wanted to travel fast. So the trick to traveling fast on the moon where there's really low gravity and the vehicle doesn't weigh much, when you hit those rocks, you want to absorb them. You don't want a hard impact because literally it will send all four wheels off the surface and you'll lose control of the vehicle. Hmm. That's what drove the innovation. Um, so if you want to hear more about the the tires that were produced for the lunar-roving vehicle, that's very interesting.
0: Yeah, so that's uh, – okay, so they have to – I'm trying to paint the picture in my head. So, are they really digging into the regolith and and just kind of pushing it a little bit more so than just kind of scraping off the top? Maybe like a Goodyear tire would. Is that? Am I getting that right?
1: The the big difference was the lunar roving vehicle tires needed to wrap themselves around obstacles at high speed. Oh, okay. And so this led to like an innovation of making a tire out of wire that could reorganize every time it hit an obstacle. And that quality is called in development. Um, instead of the obstacle creating an impact for the vehicle, the tire absorbs it. And then you can continue driving with you know contact in the surface. So that was an invention that started at Goodyear, actually. Hmm. They made the earliest versions. And then as it became more of like a space flight uh, piece of hardware, the General Motors Defense Research Laboratory, they further developed that. Um, they wove it like a shirt out of what's basically a guitar string. So if you play a guitar, like the the, east, the A string is about the same thickness as the wire they use. And they wove it like a shirt and shaped it into a tire and then tuned it to behave kind of like a tire does on Earth. So it was kind of a mix between engineering and art. Um <laughs> It's something worth googling. It's, it's a beautiful tire.
0: Very interesting. Now, now, um, Jahira, I'm thinking about the materials used on these on these Martian rovers. When you're, are, are we just, you know, are we using guitar string metal? Like, what what are some of the materials consideration when you when you start designing a, a lunar rover?
2: So one of the considerations, right, as I mentioned previously, is what type of application, what type of functionality we would like to see. In these tires what type of vehicle uh we we these tires are needed for uh for so for instance the russian lonacot tire um allow that vehicle to travel travel long distances um I, I i learned that these travel distances exceeding 10 kilometers so comparing to the distances traveled by mars rovers uh these lunar rovers um covered uh, uh, cover, cover uh, greater distances Um, The lunar roving vehicle, for instance, um, could sustain a maximum speed of 16 kilometers per hour. Um, It was a um, four-by-four-wheel vehicle. And uh, in terms of materials, I mean, do you have more insight about the different types of materials that were used for these tires?
1: Are you asking about Lunacod or the lunar roving vehicle?
2: Yeah, both. Both. Lunar What uh, were the differences between lunar roving vehicle and Russian Lunokhod tires?
1: I don't know. You know, we didn't have a ton of insight into the Soviet design for Lunokhod. It seems to be some sort of steel,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, the the materials that were used on the wire tires for the Apollo lunar roving vehicle were essentially music wire.
0: Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Very... Yeah, no,
2: that's an interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, I was making it's a
0: joke months. right about the guitar string, but it sounded <laughs> yeah, it sounded like that's that's what it was. That's very very interesting.
1: Yep, that's what it was.
0: How about that? All right, now now uh sort of leading into Mars, right? Cuz I think that's part of the part of what we're going to be talking about today is is the innovations you guys have been working on. I want to explore a little bit of history of the tires that have been on Mars. So, um some of the there's there's, you know, been uh, uh uh, rovers, you know, no, no humans yet, but rovers on the surface of of Mars uh, uh, that that have driven. So, anything you can share about some of those technologies?
2: So we all know that um, in terms of wheels on Mars, um, all the rover wheels are rigid wheels. Uh, for instance, Curiosity, Curiosity wheels are made of aluminum. Mm-hmm. And but we have seen issues, you know, with with those of Curiosity wheels on Mars. Um, engineers were su- engineers were surprised by the magnitude of damage of the damage that they saw in these wheels. And Mars is hard. Mars is hard, as, as, as we can share with you today. Uh, it's um, the type of embedded pointy rocks, bed rocks, uh, that were encountered in that uh, traverse path by Curiosity really had an impact in in these type of wheels. But in general, we know, as a matter of fact, you know, the tires, the wheels that we have sent to Mars are, are, are rigid. So that has driven some of these um, I- I- innovation and focused work on trying to look at um, better wheels and tire designs that to address. To address some of the challenges associated with traversing very difficult terrain on Mars.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I think I've seen those pictures, right? So um, Curiosity did you know awesome things when it just after it landed, we got to see some super high resolution photos of the rover right it traveled across the martian surface doing a bunch of science and sometimes it took some selfies and over time i think we started to see right some of those tires it was taking Mm -hmm. selfies of the tires and we could see holes in them right so that's what you're talking about rigid tires it's made out of that aluminum but those sharp uh those sharp rocks are are doing some damage to the rigid tires yeah that's
3: correct
2: and you can imagine right the impact that it will have um, in mission operations, in how you know these uh, these traverse paths will need to be uh, carefully you know planned uh, in order to extend the life of these rigid wheels and therefore you know extend the life of of, of the Curiosity rover to meet uh, its mission objectives.
1: Yeah, and Curiosity, I mean, it's just an awesome rover,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and it's as you know engineers, you look at it, you. You get a pit in your stomach when you see something going wrong like that. Yeah. We, you know, JPL, they took a hard look at the reasons for this, right? The There's, as Jahida said, embedded rocks that are very sharp. They're not going to move uh, when you encounter them. And if you have a six-wheel rover and a heavy one, like Curiosity, something like 850 kilograms or perhaps more, uh, when one wheel encounters one of those embedded uh, rocks, the other five try to drive it through. So it's, you know, five wheels ganging up on one. It doesn't have a choice and it gets, it gets punctured by this embedded rock. It's not something that was seen in, on Earth for testing. And so anymore, our, our risk posture for testing is quite careful. We test almost everything.
0: So let's dive into that, Vivek, Um, thinking about uh, why Mars is hard, right? So you talked about, you know, when you're talking about JPL uh, rovers exploring the surface of Mars, one of those reasons that Mars is hard is because of these rocks. You know, when you when you think about driving on another planet, I think that's the one that might be most obvious when it comes to tires, right? Is that puncture, right? You don't want to you don't you don't want to puncture the tires. So so these rocks are, are, are one of those things that makes Mars so difficult.
1: Rocks are one of those things. And you know, Mars is surprisingly rocky. And when you get into the dry lake beds, like you know, Gale crater where Curiosity went and you get to Jezero where Perseverance is right now, Mm -hmm. you can just look around and see all these embedded cemented in rocks. Uh, It makes sense, right? It was in an ancient lake bed. And that's a massive challenge if you're trying to fight against those rocks. And what tires that are flexible seek to do is to stop the fight, to accommodate and conform to the surface so that there's not as much stress and there's no punctures. Mars is hard for other reasons, too. If you look just about anywhere, any region, you can see ripples. And this is essentially the wind picking up certain particle sizes, really small, and blowing them into sort of a ripply pattern that your tires encounter. And if you get all four or all six, depending on your vehicle, tires on these ripples, you can just sit there and spin in place. Uh, we saw that with the MER Rovers, both Spirit and Opportunity. And, you know, tires help with this as well. Flexible tires, they spread out the footprint and keep you on top of the surface. You you dig in less. Um, but, you know, bringing something flexible to a, a planet like Mars is hard because it gets cold. It gets really cold at night, like minus 130 degrees Celsius. Uh, in Fahrenheit, it's about minus 200 degrees Fahrenheit. And your material needs to stay flexible. So, I mean, that's the primary engineering challenge on the material level. Um, Jahida being a material scientist could probably explain that challenge.
0: Yeah, Jahaira, it sounds like something that uh, when you're thinking about a tire, right, what's going to work on this surface, something that is going to easily deal with these punctures, right, possible punctures, these rocks that are in place, uh, something that has enough grip so you don't get stuck, like uh, like, uh, Vivek was saying, and something that can deal with extreme temperatures on another planet. Yes,
2: that's correct. And that's where our team, the Mars Spring Tire team, um, has been focusing on, for, for many years, on understanding that uh, interplay between the the macroscopic you know properties of a tire, you know what type of spring geometry, and how we uh, weave, uh, weave those springs to to make to make a tire, how that has um, uh, or relates to to materials properties, to the to the properties of those materials that made up those springs. So, we are talking about, you know, like how we can um, tune the compliance, flexibility of this tire by design, by spring uh, geometry uh, selection, as well as materials, uh, the material of choice, you know, here. Mm -hmm. So, in a DRC, uh, as Viveka mentioned earlier, so a lot of the work Related or focus on flexible tires and compliant tires uh, made use of steel. Steel, a conventional metal, but a metal that uh, can can be irreversibly deformed. So after that metal is uh, deformed over and over, over uh, several cycles, it can be irreversible. Irreversibly deformed. And that's where you know, these uh, materials innovation come to play, where GRC material scientists, along with tire engineers, were able to identify materials such as shape memory alloy materials, materials that have super elastic properties, and we can discuss what that, what that means, mm-hmm. and materials that can, can, can withstand the very extreme temperature conditions that we find on Mars. And keep that uh, material uh, uh, with, you know, reversible, meaning a material that can um, undergo reversible deformation um, within that wide range of temperatures on Mars. A material that will remember, will have a memory, and will remember its original shape. So it's, it's that combination of materials, uh, use of shape memory alloys to make and manufacture these springs that we use to. Then build a tire, and the macro, you know, uh, level uh, design of that tire, which uh, makes these Mars spring spring tire, is a suitable, you know, solution for for these um, upcoming Mars sample return missions and and, and upcoming and future uh, rover rover missions.
0: Interesting. So, so when you're describing that material design, you use the you use the terms uh, reversible and irreversible, right? You have something that sh- I guess. Forms to the shape of whatever you're driving on, but doesn't but doesn't snap back to its original form, the the shape that I guess it, it's supposed to maintain. It makes me think of a memory foam mattress, right? You get on and it makes that imprint of yourself, right? And then you get up and a mm-hmm. boom, it slowly just snaps back to that nice flat bed that that you're wanting. That's what I'm imagining, but I guess in a tire form. Is this am I am I on the right track here?
2: Um, yes, you are. You are. Okay. And what we are talking here is. <laughs> Um, at the materials level, right okay, what okay. We, when we when we talk about uh, reversible deformation, um, let's imagine that material at that, at the atomic scale. So pretty much a shape memory alloy is a material that when it uh, with, when stress is applied to the material, what we see is how these atoms you know rearrange in such a way that the material itself can um, can we stand a r- very large strains, but that material and those and th- that, those uh, you know at- atomic bonds reverse to its original you know shape or structure or crystalline structure at the atomic level. So these are processes that are happening at the atomic level, and that's why I get very excited as a material chemist, as you can imagine, <laughs> um, for for the uses and application of, of this type of smart material, a material that is stimuli-responsive, and uh, the public may be more, more familiar with the use of shape memory alloys as actuators. Um, let's say shape memory alloys that um, can move parts um, in systems, mechanical parts in systems, by adding certain types of stimuli, such as you know an, an electrically, you know electrical stimuli um, or heat, for example. But in our case, the shape memory alloy application that we are uh, developing for these Mars um, missions is a type of shape memory alloy that doesn't require this type of electrical activation or heat activation is a material that has been defined um chemically and processed in a way that we can just leverage the ability of this material to 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 withstand very large you know like deformations of the material without irreversibly de- uh, deforming or breaking the material the, ma- the material doesn't break we can continue for uh, deforming the material reversibly um, over, you know, certain, you know, light um, and 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 length of time, and the material with, will, uh, will 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 remember that original shape or, or atomic structure that, that it has.
0: I see. Okay, so I'm imagining I'm imagining a tire going over one of like a big pointy rock, almost like a pyramid, right? So what I'm what I imagine when it comes to the shape memory alloy is the tire rolls over that pyramid, takes the shape of the pyramid, and as it rolls off the pyramid, it goes back to its original shape. That's the idea here.
2: That that's correct. That's correct. And that good result or good outcome 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 comes from the design of these spring tires, along with tuning the material, the materials properties hmm. at the chemical atomic level, so that even at the at, at the atomic level, that material um, can yes can go back to to that original
0: structure or shape. So so diving into this right, we're now we're getting into the spring tire itself. Um, w- tell me about a little bit of the history. Was the spring tire did it come up, um, you know, because of these problems that you were trying to solve with driving on the Martian surface? Maybe maybe shape memory alloys came up first. Give, me, give us a little bit of background on, uh, on this project.
1: Sure. Yeah, so this came up very early in my career. I mentioned we started thinking about how to drive on the moon, mm-hmm. and we saw that it had been done before, right? So the first thing that we did was try to find the original engineers, the people who developed. The moon tire the wire mesh moon tire and you know we we found several experts that helped us by giving us documentation but then we hit the jackpot we found the actual lead rover designer named ference pavlix uh he worked at general motors defense research laboratory so we got a chance to meet him in santa barbara and at first it was kind of like what we found what we received from others We had PowerPoint slides and we were looking at their story and, and things they built. And then they did this big reveal where they came into the room and showed us one of the original tires oh, Get out. and yeah, we were like, okay, you could have led with that.
3: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> so, I think it probably was one slated for Apollo 18 that never flew. Okay. And they explained to us that, you know, living through that time, there was a conflict between, Funding the Apollo program and the cost of the Vietnam War, so hmm. the you know the Congress at that time they they abruptly shut down Apollo. A lot of the hardware for Apollo 18 existed but wasn't used, so they put one of these tires in their closet and kept it there until we came and knocking on the door. Uh, so you know, engineers from Johnson Space Center, Jet Propulsion Laboratory, and myself, we were just you know tripping over ourselves to learn about this. Uh, Eventually, we decided to bring this to the experts. So we took this hardware to Goodyear, which is close to where we uh, do our engineering in Cleveland at the Glenn Research Center. Goodyear is the neighboring city in Akron. And we set up an agreement that we're going to, you know, we're all going to get together and try to learn what this is, reverse engineer it, remanufacture it, and get all the value out of this original invention. So we set up shop in the Goodyear blimp hangar and made essentially a a manufacturing shop. We built all the machines that were needed to remake this uh, tire. And uh, in the end, we started to understand it. Uh, We made it, tested it, understood its limitations. And then we wanted to see, can we use it for the next moon missions, which were much heavier vehicles? Uh, So we started trying to make heavier versions of this. So we increased the wire thickness and such. And we found out that the structure locks up. It's no longer flexible when you try to make it support heavier loads.
3: Hmm.
1: So at that point, we were stuck. And we went back to the agency. uh, We went back to NASA headquarters and we said, we need to make a change. And so we kicked off this program called Generalizing Moon Tire Technology. It had the goal to try to make it a useful technology for the heavier moon vehicles and for Earth vehicles in Earth gravity. Um, and so, you know, that was a really, really fun slash frustrating uh, thing to work on because we tried all kinds of design changes and just hit hit walls. We couldn't figure out how to make something as good as the Earth tire, which has air and rubber, but without those uh, ingredients. We're just working with the wire. Um, We tried making tires that look like slinkies. Uh, We tried changing the tire to look like earth tires. We had, like, radial construction. Uh, In the end, we stumbled upon the spring tire. We were trying to make these wire tires, and we are having trouble keeping the wires in place. So we were using springs as spacers to keep the wires separated from one another. And over time, we kept adding springs. And removing wires and eventually the whole thing was just a spring tire and we created that spring tire sort of like a fireplace screen if you can imagine where each spring is intercoiled with his neighbor kind of like dna and then shaped into the the structure of a tire so it was kind of an accident we can't say we had a really clear design logic uh, but in the end made for a really useful tire
0: Yeah, uh, you know, it's almost like it sounds like a trial and error journey, right? Let's try this. Nope, that didn't work. That try this. Nope, it didn't work. And then it seems like springs were sort of leading you in the right direction. At what point did shape memory alloys come into the story? Uh, Later on, actually, I want to, if you don't mind, give a quick
1: shout out to Jim Benzing, who I think put us on. He was a good year engineer, put us on the right path because we tried a lot of, I would say, like academic solutions, and he's. Like, okay, guys, let's get in there and try stuff. And that's how we got, we arrived at a design solution. Um, Shape Memory alloys came many years later when we shifted our attention from the moon to Mars. And, you know, the initial step was to try the original spring tire on a Mars, what we call a life test. And essentially that's driving, uh, in this case, it was like a half of the Mars 2020 or the Perseverance rover around a test track and just seeing if your tires will survive Uh, well the original spring tire it survived but it would get dented it would get plastically deformed and that just created the uh, problem to solve and the material innovation is what was brought in the shape memory alloys in order to solve that problem.
0: I see, and and that's where uh, Jahira comes into the mix, right, Jahira? So how, how did that how did you start incorporating this shape memory alloy with the spring tire design?
2: Well, I should I should say that um, in our team, the two uh, to add to that story, right? Yeah. So we have in our Mars spring tire team, um, we have material scientists, we have tire engineers. And back in the days when, um, as Vivek said, when these steel tires started giving giving issues associated with plastic deformation, it was a moment of serendipity between Dr. Santo Padula and Colin Krieger, engineer Colin Krieger, where they started chatting about, you know, how how to fix that problem. And uh, Dr. Santo Padula, like our SMA expert, um, subject matter expert in our project. Um, he he offered you know the, the use of SMA tires as a solution, and since then, um, the, the that moment, you know that moment between them, what that it's what started, you know these these new um, engineering developments, you know incorporating these shape memory alloys as the material of choice for for these tires.
0: So, Vivek, uh, taking this concept, right, the spring tire as we know it today, t- tell me about some of the testing that you guys have been doing to, to prepare this tire for its next step uh, on, another, on the surface of another planet. Sure.
1: Yeah, so you can kind of put testing in two categories, performance and survival. <laughs> so we obviously we focus on survival as sort of the primary thing. We, uh, The same engineer who was co-inventor with myself on the spring tire, Jim Benzing, we hired him after he retired from Goodyear, and he's a career machine designer. He's building our life test. And if you can picture this, this is a chamber that holds Mars temperature, and a carousel of Mars terrain revolves within that chamber, really harsh rocks. We, We spied on Mars, so to speak. We used the Mars Reconnaissance Orbiters. Uh, high-rise stereo imaging tool to look at the surface where we're going, see the terrain that we might encounter in this next mission, and construct the life test to represent that terrain.
3: Hmm. So
1: we have the right rocks, and we're in the right temperature environment, and to account for the gravity difference, we have an interesting mechanism within this chamber that you know balances like a seesaw, the right amount of rover mass, but also allows you to have that light weight that you would have on Mars. And we drive to four times the mission life to understand if we can survive and have, you know, reserve life, um, just to be sure. So that's the survival side of things. Uh, And on the traction side of things, we have a whole laboratory. We call it the slope lab. We actually developed it for the constellation program. But if you can picture that, inside is this adjustable tilt bed which is essentially two dump truck, be- dump truck beds welded together, and we can angle it with the hydraulics up to like 40-something degrees. So we can use that to evaluate slope traversal, and we have another big sandbox and other machines that allow us to drive and evaluate different rover operations. So, you know, we, we are doing our best to try and cover our bases and go in with our eyes wide open. <laughs>
0: I'm trying to get a paint a picture on that first test that you were talking about, Vivek. Um, is, I, I'm I, I imagine like some some chamber, right, that's simulating the the Martian surface. And you said drive to four times uh, the the design life. So how I imagine it is a tire just kind of going around like a carousel uh, for I, I don't know. In my mind, I think years. Is that what's going on here? You're just kind of driving this thing over and over and over.
1: You know, fortunately, uh, it doesn't take that long. Okay. We can get ourselves a, a full life test under our belt in about a week. Oh, interesting. What's happening? Yeah, it's not It's not too bad. Uh, you know, if you compare that to driving on Mars, there's a lot of downtime. You're not driving at night. It's too cold. Um, you're With this particular rover, it's solar-powered, so you're, you're energy-limited as far as how you go each day. But, you know, it's also autonomous, so... It's not like the Apollo rovers where uh, you could drive quite fast and quite far. Mm-hmm. It's going to set the land speed record on Mars, but still quite slow. So when you test on Earth, we we go faster, and because we're going continuously, we can get the whole mission uh, done in a couple of days, and you know get ourselves an even longer test in a week. Uh, basically, we keep the the wheel and the tire attached to an one arm of what would be the rover, and the carousel moves while the tire rotates. Uh-huh. So we're not driving around. It's kind of fixed. And that's what lets us be inside of a temperature chamber um, by keeping everything stationary and having the carousel move underneath the tire
0: okay I get it now yeah and and I, I that totally makes sense right because the the even the rovers they're driving now they drive a little bit they pause for a long time and then they drive a little bit again you know so it's I, I see you're just basically getting that all of that time done the driving part done in a week so that, I, I understand that yep. Okay, uh, so uh, what's next for the spring tire? You keep talking about missions, you know, getting ready for the mission. So, so what are you what are you preparing for? What's the what's the Mars tire gonna or the spring tire gonna do?
2: Yes, excellent. So the Mars spring tires um, is the subsystem that uh, will be delivered to ESA's Sample Fetch Rover. So we have been very excited, right, about the successful landing of Perseverance. Now, Perseverance rover is on Mars. Will be collecting samples, putting Martian soil samples in in these tubes that a future Mars sample return mission will be will be collecting to return them back to Earth. So we are part of that endeavor. Uh, we have been collaborating uh, with ESA um, in their with, with their sample fetch rover um, design, and right now, with, with with our part or role is. To design and build the wheel and tire assemblies that will be integrated
3: hmm. in these
2: in these such rovers, and I should mention that um, earlier in the conversation, you you were wondering about the time you know that um, these future rovers will have to traverse the Mars terrain, mm-hmm. and we should say that for the Mars Sample Return mission, and uh, in contrast to Perseverance, which is a scientific mission, right? These sample fetch rover won't have a lot of time, so that's why uh, new rover um, development, new tire developments are needed uh, to ensure, as we have mentioned, to ensure that these four by four uh, sample fetch rover um, rovers will have sufficient traction, uh, that these wheel and tire assemblies will be durable enough. That, will, will, that these start that will interact that will help this rover uh, to save energy, so that the rover traverses more terrain and go and catch the samples and the tubes that the Perseverance will be leaving in 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 depot and um, specified locations um, to to then you know return them to to the Mars ascent vehicle that will bring them you know back to Earth. Uh, so lots of work right now with design. Um, lots of work, you know, uh, co-engineering efforts to define those um, uh, wheel and tire assembly requirements, and and Vivek, Vivek, you, you you can add more to that.
1: Oh, I'd love to. This is one of my favorite subjects. So <laughs> the next mission, to, <laughs> the, the the next mission to Mars, as Jiahira just said, is the retrieval mission. So it's called Sample Retrieval Lander. It's really unusual in two ways. Number one is we're taking a rover and a rocket in the same lander. They have to coexist. So usually we talk a lot about mass. Mass is a big deal when you engineer a spacecraft. Here we're also really volume constrained. So the rover folds up, and it has a a neat little compartment inside the back back shell interface structure where it lives. And it doesn't have the ability to be as big as Curiosity, right, or, you know, the Perseverance rover. Uh, It's much smaller, but it still needs enough traction to get through the region where the big rover currently is in Jezero Crater. So the tires were enabling. The tires allowed the baby rover to have enough traction to keep up with the big rover. Mm. And so in that sense, tires are really important to this mission. And the other thing that Jahida touched on is it's time constrained. It's a solar rover that's doing the pickup. And the solar rover can't be around for any kind of global dust events that might occur up on Mars. So those tend to happen in the fall winter time. So we're trying to constrain the mission to spring and summer, which means you have to get your mission done in two seasons. And to make that happen, you really want to go as far as you can every day. And the thing I mentioned earlier is tires save energy, and energy lets you go an additional distance. So... In two ways, you know, having these tires is enabling for us to pick up samples uh, from the surface of Mars.
0: See, this is so fascinating. There's a lot of application here, Vivek. As you're as you're as you're talking about this upcoming mission, right? Some of the things that are going through my head is, you know, there's a lot of application here. There's a lot of there's been a lot of testing for this. Is this scalable, right? So we're talking about uh, returning humans to the moon in in the very near future. Um, That means a uh, not necessarily a continuous presence, but a sustained presence of of humans on the moon. And what I'm thinking is maybe humans can benefit from a technology scaled up to to a lunar rover that uses a lot of this technology. Is there a future for scaling up the, uh, the spring tire technology? I know, I know you're talking about Mars, right, for, for a lot of this. But is, is there a potential for it to be uh, on use on the moon?
1: I do think so. The spring tire originally was developed for the moon. I can say with the materials we have today, it could support an equatorial mission. So, you know, it's not going to get as cold as if you were to, say, go to a crater uh, at one of the poles, which is hidden from the sun, gets you know colder than our current material can tolerate. Mm-hmm. So today, you know, the spring tire is scalable for you know larger vehicles with heavier loads, and it's really great at keeping a rover on the ground when you drive fast on the moon. And that's what you want. If you're going to bring people to the moon, you want to efficiently move them around. And so, a fast-moving rover on the moon would really benefit from a, a set of spring tires. Uh, we have more work to do if we're going to go to the poles we need to do further material innovation to start getting down to polar temperatures
0: now jihara you talk, um you know vivek just mentioned material innovation right there was this shape memory alloy that went into the the spring tire design and, and a lot of innovation to make that possible for for the upcoming uh, mars mission but i wonder you know, there seems like there's a lot of work in here and there's a lot of benefits of shape memory alloys, potentially of spring tires. Is there anything that can be brought back down to Earth for for the benefit of us here on that are stuck on this planet?
2: Yeah, excellent, excellent question. So, yes, the answer is yes. Um, shape memory alloys um, have been around for decades, have been around for decades, and hmm. some, some predict that, their their demand will reach the 20 billion dollars by 2025. So there are lots of earthbound applications of shape memory alloys that um, are are currently in place and that will be further expanded and 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 developed in the area of biomedical biomedical devices. Uh, for instance, we know the shape memory alloys are currently used as as the material for stents stent. Um, the, the sense um, another another applications you know would be for engines or you know any anything that w- anything that needs a mover right <laughs> or or a chain memory alloy as an actuator to move parts um, so those are not those are applications that are currently in place but mm-hmm. I can tell you there has been so so much interest from the from the industry and private sector on these um, GRCs. Shape memory alloy development. Um, so currently, there is a there is a company uh, that um, is commercializing shape uh, memory alloy spring tires for for bikes for bi- bi- bicycle uh, applications. And um, we we also see it. I mean, we also see a potential for you know medium speed of the road tires vehicles, for, for military, for any type of application that where you want to remove and avoid that single point of failure, right, of a flat tire.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, so really exciting times, um, really good to see um, how our engineers, our scientists, you know, they they are now um, it, at, at this point they are enjoying right the, all the, the out, good outcome and fruit of all, all these years of effort seeing these companies now you know looking for for applications. and it's, it's quite interesting because when we look back at the history of tires and the history of rubber made tires, Everything started too with, you know, like the design of a rubber tire for for bicycles, and now we are seeing like kind of the same thing. <laughs> but of course, I mean, the the applications go beyond beyond this type of, you know, bicycles and, and vehicles. We we see potential in many other areas as well.
0: Wow, Jahira and Vivek, what? Uh fascinating conversation that we just had today tires on on different planets and and just wonderful uh, stories that you were able to share uh throughout throughout that whole process this has been uh this has been a really really good conversation so so to both of you i appreciate you going over the, the spring tire and the history of tires when it comes to uh driving on on different planetary bodies and i thank you both for coming on houston we have a podcast today it was a pleasure
1: thank you so much this is great
2: thank you so much
0: Hey, thanks for sticking around. I hope you uh, enjoyed our conversation today with Jahira and Vivek as much as I did. I definitely learned a lot about tires, not only the history, but a lot of the cool technology uh, that's under work right now for missions to Mars and perhaps the moon. Uh, you can check out more of our podcasts at nasa.gov slash podcasts. There's also a couple other shows there from the different centers across NASA that you can find. If you want to listen to uh, Mars-specific episodes, we actually have a collection of those specifically. Uh, you can search it, just Houston. We Houston, we have a podcast, Mars Episodes. It'll be the first thing that comes up, the URL for for, uh, for everyone, though is uh, nasa.gov slash johnson slash hwhap, as in Houston, we have a podcast, slash Mars dash episodes. We, Houston, we have a podcast, uh, are on the Johnson Space Center pages of Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So if you want to talk to us or ask us a question, you can use the hashtag AskNASA and just make sure to mention it's for us at Houston, we have a podcast. This episode was recorded on March 22nd, 2021. Thanks to Alex Perriman, Pat Ryan, Norm Moran, Belinda Polito, Jennifer Hernandez, and Jimmy Russell at Glenn. Thanks again to Dr. Jahira Sierra-Sastre and Vivek Asnani for taking the time to come on the show. Give us a rating and feedback on whatever platform you're listening to us on, and tell us what you think. We'll be back next week.